Welcome to the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast. I am your host, Mark Burry, CEO and founder of the Content Marketing Plaza, bringing you two new episodes each week where I and top-level guests teach you how to get on more stages and make a profit from your public speaking. And one of the great things about public speaking is just the power of being on that stage and speaking in front of people because you could really spread your message. You can reach a lot of people with your business, get more customers. There's just so much you can do with public speaking. You can spread your brand and your message to such a great impact. Uh, so we'll be talking about that in this episode. Today's guest who joins us, he is a speaker, speech writer, speaking coach, and author of What's Your Message? Public Speaking with Twice the Impact Using Half the Effort. He shows leaders how to use vivid messages for greater success. He has developed corporate presentations for dozens of top 100 companies and coached speakers, CEOs, and other presenters to make their messages more powerful. When he's not speaking, coaching, or writing, he consults on message management. Today's guest for episode 10 of the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast is none other than Cam Barber. Cam, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. G'day, Mark. It's great to be here. Cam, I'm so happy to have you on the show. And public speaking just gives you the ability to spread your message so far and wide and get so many customers. So I look forward to talking about that. Before we do, though, can you give us some background into why you became a speaker and what brought you in that uh, path? So I was a sales manager at a radio network in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, I'm generally an out outgoing person and extrovert style if you like so in a in a two-way conversation i was reasonably confident i meet people reasonably easily but when you stand up in front of an audience and they're deadly silent and they're staring at you to engage them uh that's a different environment completely and i wasn't any good i was nervous i was a rambler uh, i didn't have any structure so i attended a presentation skills training course two-day course and I came away from that course more nervous and more self-conscious than before the course. And it really changed my life. It, it set me in a different direction because that was really frustrating. The harder I tried to follow the list of rules, and it was a long list of rules that supposedly you had to follow to be a good public speaker, the harder I tried, the more self-conscious and uncomfortable I became. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say it took me about six months to work it out, but I ended up questioning whether they were right and uh, did my own research. And that really led me into starting a business on training in presentation skills and public speaking. And in the short version is that what they were teaching is that there's one right way to do it. Or they call it the optimum way. This is the optimum. The optimum number of gestures is six per minute. The optimum type of gesture is, is open gestures and so on. Don't say, um, be perfect in your speech, have this kind of voice, blah, 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 wear this kind of tie and so on. And uh, I didn't fit those rules. So I didn't fit that, that optimum model. I have lots of gestures. I was told way too many gestures. So what I realized is that uh, the traditional approach to public speaking is flawed. It's wrong. Uh, it teaches acting and performance when what really matters is message clarity and message transfer. And it doesn't matter whether you say, um, Bill Gates says, um, Richard Branson says, um, Elon Musk is a bumbling, mumbling speaker. 
but all of these people are excellent at getting you to remember and repeat their messages and they've all grown their businesses because of their ability to get messages out there. So I learned that message transfer and natural style are more important than the performance and the acting. And that's what I teach. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the gestures, I mean, that, that stuff like you shouldn't be thinking about. And I feel like people would think about that. Like if you're speaking and you look deeply at yourself, that is something that some people really think about. But in the end, it is that message. It is what your audience walks away with because a month now they'll forget if you gestured like 10 times instead of six, but they'll remember the message that you have. Correct. And, you know, the, the good advice that, that people pass on, I don't know if you've heard this, things like don't put your hands in your pockets. Right. Have open gestures, not closed gestures. You know, these sorts of things make you feel more self-conscious when you're already in an environment. Now, let's face facts. When you stand up, the rest of the group is sitting down. So you've left the group. There's, there's separation from the group. You're exposed under a spotlight that is not normal in social situations. Already that's a nerve-wracking experience. So what we want to do is find a way to be comfortable, to be ourselves, to get our breathing in a comfortable manner, not be distracted by, oh, you can't act like you normally act. You know, you've got to follow this set of robotic rules. So it really is a tragedy. I mean, there are millions of people. I've been exposed to hundreds of thousands of people and a, a large percentage of them say, yeah, I was told I had to act weird or not weird. I was told I had to act different. And you just see the weight off their shoulders when you, you tell them, no, you don't. You can just be yourself. In fact, the more comfortable you are in front of an audience, the more you selfishly do, to be comfortable in your own skin, the better you will connect with your audience. As long as there's message and value in what you're saying, of course. Yeah, because the best person you can really be is yourself and you don't want to try and be someone else and uh, go based on their rules because, I mean, each person is different. And uh, that's the fun of public speaking. You could be yourself and there's just so much potential to it. But the potential and the ability to spread really starts when you do get on those stages. So I'm wondering if you could share with us, uh, what are some of the best strategies you're currently using to get on more stages? Well, so the book is called What's Your Message? Because that's the fundamental question and it's amazing how many people cannot answer the question. If you literally say, what's your business competitive advantage? You know, there should be a really clear, tested set of words that bring your value to life. And I've asked hundreds of thousands of people this question. And what I often get is more of a, well, you know, quality, service, you know, value. Um, that's not a message. So, so the first step is start to speak in messages. Now, even what I just said then is a message that I've crafted. The difference between a message and a, and a rambling sentence is that you know when to stop. I tell people to speak in messages. So, uh, Can you do that for the value of your company? If you want to get in front of an audience and you're talking to someone who's got a forum or a conference or whatever, what's your message to them that demonstrates that the audience that they're offering you will receive value from you? And test this in everything that you do. I'm a parent. I've got a 14-year-old son and I know that messaging messaging skills are crucial because you can't just keep going, clean up your room, clean up your room, clean up your room. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I like asking people this, what are the messages that you got from your parents that you can recall? I got things like 
if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went out, when I was a teenager, I didn't get a long list of rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. My dad just said, be a gentleman. Uh, so there's, um, you've got to get good at messaging if you want to be heard and remembered. Does that answer the question for you? Uh, I, I mean, the answer is how we can, uh, like, I, I like the idea. You got to understand your message and what you're all about to get on the stages. Uh, mm. But once you're clear on that and what you stand for, and, like, how do you find the, the people who will get you on those stages, like the event organizers and getting booked? Yeah. Okay. Here's another message from my dad that, that changed my life, continues to add value to my life. Write a letter, Cam. Write a letter. So um, he used to say that all the time. There was this TV show me and my brothers used to watch when we were like five, six years old. And it was a comedy show. And they they used to make a joke of the fact that they had no studio audience. They'd often show a a camera shot of these three chairs that were empty. And, and, uh, you know, we said, hey, we should go in that audience. And dad said, write a letter. Write a letter. Tell them you want to be on the audience. And we never did that. But later... um, uh, he said this all the time. Later, I wanted to be an exchange student and they couldn't afford to send me to be an exchange student. And my dad said, write a letter. And I wrote 60 handwritten letters sitting on my kitchen table. It took two weeks. In fact, before that, I had to grab the yellow pages. I don't know if you know what that is. <laughs> right, yeah, that's ancient to me. Ancient stuff. So I would grab the yellow pages. I would find companies uh, in the country that I wanted to visit, which was Sweden, uh, and just big companies. And then I'd ring them and say, Who, what's the name of the CEO? What's the address? And then I'd write 60 handwritten letters. I got four responses from 60. Three of them said, good luck, son. One of them said, come and meet me. And he uh, loaned me, that company loaned me enough money to be an exchange student for a year in Sweden. And I had to work for that company when I came back, which is even better because I got work experience. When I wrote this book, I wrote 100 letters and I got about six responses. So that, there you go. There's your average. What is that? A, you know, 5% type response rate um, to see if they'd endorse it. And I got Seth Godin endorsed the book, said it was fantastic. Let me read what Seth Godin, marketing genius, said, finally, a book on public speaking worth reading and using. Thank you, Seth. I agree. Jack Welsh from General Electric wrote a letter, said, great, wonderful stories, well told. I wish you all the best. So uh, there's, no, um, there's no replacing the number of contacts that you have with these potential um, uh, event organizers. And it's great you provide those examples because I feel like a lot of people, if they reach out to five and they don't get any yeses, they get discouraged. Uh, but I mean, in Cam's case, I mean, sure, we're talking about book testimonials, which, you know, it's a, a different ask. But, I mean, what if your numbers are the same? I mean, it's now it depends on who you reached out to, too, because I don't know who you reached out to, but, I mean, if you're reaching out to Seth Godin and Welsh, I mean, I can only imagine the other guys you reached out to, but uh, each no gets you closer to your next yes, so you got to be willing to take the no's to get to the yeses. So that's true, but then let's, let's look again. It's not that hard. My, my view on the world is that often it's not magic. It's not manipulation. It's not tricks. It's not um, cheating. It's, not, it's just in front of your face. So I wrote letters to people who've written books that I like to read. There you go. Where did I get the list? They're the people that had interested me. So, and I probably developed my ideas partly from reading their ideas. So, so that just makes perfect sense. Um, I send letters and emails, we call them now, uh, to, to events 
that I want to go to. Uh, I find, you know, you see what I mean? It's not that hard. Where, where do you want to, just say, where do you want to go? What are you interested in? You're interested in this area of business. Okay, well, you'll find, it's, we've got a thing called Google. You, you don't have to pull the yellow pages out and make 100 phone calls. You know, Google events within that area and make contact. Put a pack together. Write, you know, write an ebook. Put your ideas together clearly with clear messaging that demonstrates the value and make contact. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify, but right. maybe it, it's relatively simple. And, and I always say that the, the key element of that whole process, which is simply find where you want to go, make contact, send them something of value and wait, wait for the response, is the clarity of your message. And Elon Musk is the one that interests me the most now. So there's a, there's a woman who unfortunately died called Anita Roddick who built the body shop empire. And, and up until about 10 years ago, she was unique. That business was unique. She's definitely a messaging genius, a messaging expert. Um, and she never spent a cent on advertising for the first 15 years of the growth of that business. I never heard anything like that. Now, what did she do? She put messages on the trucks, messages on the windows. She, she was very good with the press and the media and she'd give them messages that they would print and they'd talk about her shop and the way they used ingredients from you know, local, um, local places and, and uh, paid people the right amount of money and they didn't do animal testing and so on. So she got media talking about them. Well, now we have another example in real time. Elon Musk, Tesla, has never spent a cent on advertising. Why? Because Elon Musk is delivering messages to the media constantly that we're talking about. He just, um, whatever date we're recording today, uh, just had a, uh, a media launch or, or a big event. And he said, let's see if I get this right. It is financially insane not to buy a Tesla. Why? Because if you don't have full driving, automatic driving hardware on your car now, it's like buying a horse. You need to have that, right? Now, how long did it take me to tell you that? 10 seconds. That's messaging. Bring the value of whatever you do to life with clear messaging. And uh, again, that theme being the messaging, because you could go on the stage, but if you don't have that right messaging about how you can help solve problems versus, you know, like the product we're trying to sell you, uh, you definitely create a much bigger impact. And one of the things that I've realized about public speaking is that it's not a short-term play. There are people who they may become your customers a year after seeing you speak. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could share some insight into how we can gain more traction post-event. Like what do we uh, do so that uh, our speech, our messages have a more lasting impact on people and maybe we get that email a year later saying from someone saying, I want to be your client. Yeah. So, so again, the first thing is that you have a message that resonates with your audience. And from there, you just, you can see the obvious things. Can you have an, a website or a web page where there's something of value that people will go to and download? So then you get their email address. So you can put them on a, you know, a, a series of emails that add more value. So how can you give them something of value? Now, I, you know, I, I, we use a template, for example. So uh, in most of the sessions that we do, we'll give people this planning tool. So I call that the chunk structure or the, the one page outline of your speech, right? Tremendous value. 
watch the title. Is this the Steve Jobs one? So Steve Jobs uh, is also a messaging expert. So my book gives him, uh, outlines a number of his uh, brilliant recallable messages. For example, a thousand songs in your pocket. Yeah. Now, you're a young man. Do you know what that stands for? A thousand songs in your pocket. Yeah, the iPod. Now, that's 20 years ago. That product was released 19 years ago. Yet, 60% of any audience that I've spoken to in any country in the world says, I know what that is. That's the iPod. Some think it's the iPhone, but I'll, I'll rate that because the iPhone's almost an extension of the iPod from a technological point of view, right? So, um, and in the book, I outline the fact that Steve Jobs knew the message that described the value of that product. That product, by the way, is called a high-capacity MP3 player. No one's ever called it that. Well, they used to, but no one called it since iPod, a thousand songs in your pocket. We just call it an iPod. It's your music player. Do you see? So he knew the message, a thousand songs in your pocket, before they had even named the product. And then if you look at the way the product was launched, he hammered a thousand songs in your pocket. He pulled it out of his pocket. He put it back in his pocket. A thousand songs at the time seemed like as many songs as you could imagine, right? So that was your whole library. Um, so that, those two things brought the value to life. And then the website had it. The first television commercials had nothing but a thousand. They said nothing but a thousand songs in your pocket. The rest of it was visual about music and moving things from your laptop to your portable device. So um, is the value there? I hand out this um, template. In fact, I get people to use it. So this is Steve Jobs, uh, the most watched speech of all time, which is the Stanford commencement speech. Go and Google it, 15 minutes, very interesting. Good one. And it's broke, broken into this beautiful structure, right? So g'day, I want to tell you three stories from my life. So that's the title. The title literally says, this will be easy. Then each story has a title of its own, connecting the dots, tells the story, makes a point. That's the message of that story. Takeaway message. Then he introduces the second one. Hey, the next story is about love and loss. Tells the story, makes the point to remember. Because people forget the details. We know that. They're going to forget the details. What's the message, the point, the takeaway? And the story about death, which he thought he'd beaten at the time, but it ended up catching up with him. Key point. Then he's got a little sort of long lead into his key message, which is stay hungry, stay foolish. And that's a message that's remembered and repeated by people. So we give them the tool that shows them how to most quickly leverage their knowledge and their ideas and, and structure it into messages. And that tool they take away with, and it has our number on it, and they often, we often get a phone call from people saying, hey, you know, yeah, it's been a year, but um, we, I've got a big presentation or we've got a company now that, you know, a whole team that needs to be good at this, and I know you've got that structure. Can you come and teach it to us? And I, I like the approach Steve Jobs using how you uh, laid it out in the video version of this episode. It's definitely a lot more visible as Cam shows us the, uh, his uh -huh. page in his book. I mean, if that's just one page of your book, I mean, I can only imagine what the other pages have. So, <laughs> yeah, um, they're all that good. Good read. I mean, Seth Godin, Jack Walsh endorsed it. I mean, you definitely got to consider grabbing your copy. Um, one of the things you should also consider, though, is uh, thinking about the habits that you have in your life because habits, they make us better or worse. And it's just based on the habits that we have. And we can change those habits. Um, and I feel like one of the great ways to change habits is to see what people are doing uh, like what habits successful people are using. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could share with us some of your habits that 
uh, you say have uh, helped you become a successful public speaker? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say that I uh, don't have that great habits. I'm, I'm constantly trying to improve my habits. If you want to talk to, but I've got a, I've got a twist on that. Okay. So if you want to talk to someone about habits, you know, I love reading James Clear. Um, I don't know if you know him, but you know, jamesclear.com. He's the guru on habits. He wrote a book called Atomic Habits uh, just about a year ago. And uh, he's got some great stuff. And there's, you know, Charles Duhigg, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but so there's a lot of great stuff on habits and I read that stuff. But, you know, I would say this to you. Um, do everything you can to develop good habits, of course. But if you don't have good habits, if you fail at achieving your, your high habit goals and so on, two things. Don't beat yourself up too much. That's, 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 let's call that my, my best habit uh, of, this, of this age. Uh, I've learned that the, the beating myself up, waking up at night going, ah, oh, you said you were going to do those things and you didn't get them all done and you have a feeling of incompletion. That insomnia, that um, you know, heaviness, that drama weakens your energy for the next day. And that was a bad habit that I had, you know, perfection. I wanted to be perfect. I wasn't perfect. Surprise, surprise. But, but you know, then I sort of beat myself up and, and wasted a lot of energy on that. So, so now I say, all right, I'm, I'm doing my best. But if I fail at my, at my lofty goals, I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm going to get some sleep and I wake up and guess what? I've got a new day, a brand new day to give it another shot. So that's one thing I'll share on habits because there are a lot of better people to teach you about habits than I. Uh, but here's the other thing. Let's say you've got really bad habits. And I know some people like this. I've worked with some people like this who generally have really bad habits, um, you know, not as efficient as you would like and so on. But when they speak, they make absolute sense. The, the, the amount of leverage, the massive amount of leverage you have when you open your mouth for a minute or 20 seconds to answer a question. I know a guy who was promoted from two levels above his, his area. He was a sales manager who was promoted to director of sales in a large broadcasting company because, <laughs> because he answered a question brilliantly at a meeting. So the, the real leverage is when you speak, do you add value? Do you make sense? Best to have good habits. But even if you don't, whether you do or you don't, Still, the most value, the most traction you get is when you explain your idea, when you explain the value of your idea. So my, my recommendation, recommendation is do that. What's your message? Cam, thank you for those recommendations on habits. And it is great to improve yourself. I mean, that is a great habit to look for that improvement uh, because we all get better through improvement and none of us are perfect. And I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of your great insights with us. Uh, for people who want to learn more about Cam, get his book, What's Your Message? Public Speaking with Twice the Impact Using Half the Effort. Uh, he also has a new speech outline template, which is available at... Um, cambarber.com. So if you go to cambarber.com, you'll go straight to the book page where you can download the sample chapter of the book. And then further down, uh, you'll be able to download that speech outline template. All right. So that's where we should go. Uh, both of that being for free. Uh, that will yep. be in the show notes. Uh, once again, Cam, I can't thank you enough for sharing those resources and insights with us. It was such a pleasure to have you on the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast. Good on you, Mark. Good to talk to you.